At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Are you tired of lugging around heavy, bulky tree stands, whether you're using a climber or a hang-on, and would prefer to hunt lighter and more mobile? If you said yes, then you need to check out the Tethered Mantis Saddle and Predator platform. For me, this uh, setup has done a couple things for me over the past year and a half. I've definitely been more mobile, lighter. And when you get into those situations where maybe the wind switches on you or whatever, and in years past, you didn't want to pull all your gear, it's because you didn't want to move it, didn't want to make additional noise and things of that nature. This kind of solved all those problems for me. And I'm able to kind of tear down quickly, make a move if I need to make a move and get set up uh, without losing a whole lot of hunting time. The other thing I do a lot more of with this is actually I'll still hunt my way through or just kind of go into an area where I'd like to check out. Scout with all my stuff on my back. It's super light, so I don't really even notice it. And I hunt to where I'm going, or I still hunt through to where I'm ultimately going to set up, which is a great benefit, has been a great benefit to me so far this year. If you're interested in all these things, then you need to head over to tetherednation.com, check out all their information related to saddle hunting, and release your inner tree ninja. First thing I do in the morning before a hunt is, of course, I have to have my morning coffee. And I'm sure most of you out there probably feel the same. Make sure you're filling your mug with Skull Brew Coffee as it is the only coffee company that is both 2% for conservation certified and, of course, donates 10% of their profits to conservation organizations who are helping us to secure the future of our wild places. So head to SkullBrewCoffee.com and choose between three killer roasts of coffee and know that you are supporting conservation with every sip. All right, if you listen to this uh, podcast for any length of time, you guys know that I am good friends with all the guys over at Exodus. And I want to give you a quick heads up that you should be checking out some of their content if you haven't already. They have a podcast out called Trail Cam Radio, and they release new episodes every Tuesday. So the day before you listen to this one, you could be listening to that one as well. They've done some deep dives with some great guests. Uh, you'll you'll recognize some of these names as Jeff Sturgis, Dan Enfault, and The Hunting Public. And they also jump into and talk to some uh, less-known hunters who consistently are getting it done many times on public land. Uh, if you prefer to watch podcasts, if you're looking for some video content, 
Uh, they have a YouTube channel as well, and that is packed, of course, with great videos and interviews. One of the most popular ones they did is a, a candid interview with John Eberhardt, and uh, if you know anything about John, you always get the straight dope from him. And for my, for specifically my PA listeners, uh, they just recently posted a Public Land Big Woods interview with Steve Shirk, which I which I consumed, and it is pretty awesome. This dude's killing hammers and getting on giant deer in, in, in uh, Pennsylvania, so it's absolutely a a must-listen. So if you're looking for more whitetail content, especially here during the course of the season, you just can't get enough, uh, be sure to head over to their podcast, Trail Cam Radio, and their YouTube channel, Exodus Trail Cameras, and drop them a subscription or review and let them know that Truth from the Stand sent you. If you're also in the market for a trail camera, uh, over the last four years, of course, Exodus has consistently showed they build quality trail cameras that flat out just work. Of course, the best trail camera warranty, period. Every single camera is backed by a five-year warranty and even comes with a theft and damage coverage. That's right, five years, literally half a decade, you'll be covered by the Exodus five-year warranty. But more than likely, you won't need it because the cameras are built to last. Hello and welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 144. Today, John and I are catching up on his epic bear hunt in Canada, and we're also talking about my upcoming trip to Iowa for the rut, so stay tuned. All right, all right, all right. What is going on out there? Happy Wednesday to everyone. Hope you're doing well. Hope some of you had a chance to wrap a tag around a whitetail. I, of course, uh, at this point have not wrapped a tag. I will say that this, this past weekend's hunt was better than last weekend's hunt and getting and getting shot at. So um, there's I always have that going for me. Uh, this past weekend, you know, this uh, it, we're, we're hitting in, we're headed into prime time. You know, this this week of October usually is when things start to really ramp up. Um, in the swamp last year is whenever I started actually getting some really good, um, some really good movement in the swamp with some actually new bucks coming to the area to, to lay down some sign and, and, and open some scrapes and, and, and start trying to find some mates for, uh, for, for the upcoming weeks. But, uh, the, the swamp th- this year has really been quiet overall. And that's been my theme for the year. Like this, I thought really this year that was going to be probably one of my go-to properties, uh, based on the caliber of deer I had in there last year, but it just hasn't transpired. I mean, the, the movement has been nil. Um, and the, what movement I have had has been, uh, has been young bucks. So nothing that I really want to spend any time, any, any time chasing. So this season, my theme to this point for this season has really been about, um, you know, I think the podcast that I just did la- or that I released last week with Josh profit was is probably very, uh, was very appropriate because this year it's really been uh, a, I guess a season of freelancing for me. Um, you know, I've not had, um, really a locked, a locked plan. And since very, very early season, whenever I was trying to kill a couple of those deer that was on that one piece of public and they, and they managed to vanish and disappear. And then I spent a little bit of time trying to relocate them feel like I have, but it's really hard to get in to hunt that piece, uh, given that some of the small game and, and waterfowl season has opened and stuff like that. Hunting that on weekends is nearly, um, nearly impossible based on where, uh, where the sign and where, where I found him bedded, uh, or where I found the one uh, good deer bedded. So I'm not quite sure how I'm going to approach that. So this past weekend, 
uh, I ended up hunting over the uh, primary scrape area where I had one really good encounter two weeks ago. Now, I wish I would have been able to get in a little bit more quickly, but I had some family obligations. Um, the, the one weekend had the wedding that I know that I'd mentioned. So this was the first time I had a busy work uh, week at work last week. So this was the first time I was really able to get back in there. And it was on an iffy, on an iffy wind. Um, and just ran into more, ran into more pressure. You know, there were some, some bird, uh, some bird hunters that were about, um, and so forth. So it was really kind of a, a busted hunt. So that, that property in general, I think what I'm learning this year is that some of these properties that I have could be pretty good. Um, basically leading up to the opening of, of, of all small game. Um, and then I think I'm going to have to adjust as I get into, you know, the later part of October when all the smaller game seasons start to come in, uh, because these properties are really kind of set up for that. They have some, have some, uh, habitat areas that are kind of specifically built and made to, you know, foster, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, the re implementation of woodcocks in the area or whether they're hunting pheasant, or I know there's some, uh, decent turkey hunting around that area as well. Um, I think, I, I think I had a guy hunting that behind me that I heard at one point that was trying to call in some birds. Um, so it was just, I think what I learned this year is that the public that I've been kind of looking at and hunting, um, probably is pretty good for whitetails, uh, early in the year. So around here opening mid September and through like the very middle part of August or of October, I probably have about a month of what I would refer to as, um, decent and relatively unpressured hunting. Cause truth be told, it's like, I really haven't seen any bow hunters out at all on any of these properties. Um, so I feel like in the early part of the year, I have the place predominantly to myself. Um, as it hits this part of the year though, as the other seasons open up, it's, it, it becomes a little bit more congested. And so I think that I need to start to look at some areas that maybe aren't as, um, formidable, you know, for, you know, for small game hunters, you know, turkey hunters and, and, and what have you, which is, um, which I'll put on my to-do list for, for next year. So, you know, the other part of this past weekend, you know, what I realized and learned, you know, as this seems like this year has been a, a learning year a lot for some of these properties, is that I don't really have very many properties or very many setups that are good for an east wind. I've got a lot, you know, predominantly what I have had in the, you know, historically speaking, if, if I would, if I were to look at the historical wind data, and I've looked at it and just from years past and in, tr- in tracking the wind on, on days I'm going to hunt. It felt I felt like I was getting a lot of west and southwest wind, and so a lot of the places that I was looking at and setting up, you know, I was really looking at it through the lens of you know needing to have a west or a southwest wind or going to get a, a west or a southwest wind, and so the properties, in the areas that I really kind of have mapped out are set up well for that. Well, what I've what has kind of happened this year is that I've gotten some of those west winds, but I also have gotten more north wind. Um, than I, than I can probably remember in an October in the past several Octobers, at least for me. Um, so I've had some limited hunting opportunities whenever it comes to that particular wind direction. And then an East wind, yes, you know, this past weekend I had an East wind and it really wasn't good for, it was really only good for one spot. And I don't know that this, you know, it, it was good for that scrape setup, but it wasn't perfect. So I ended up hunting that scrape setup because it was one of those things where I thought, well, if it's almost wrong for me and almost right for the deer, maybe that, maybe those two things kind of come together for me and I, and I get an opportunity who knows, you know, the hunting pressure that was there, you know, might've deterred that maybe it would have, maybe it would have come to fruition, but it just wasn't, wasn't in the cards. So for the evening, you know, I was really kind of trying to decide where I was going to go. There's a one property that my buddy Tom and I, uh, Tom Titlow, um, 
scouted this past winter, and that's where we found this uh, set of really good matte sheds. Uh, or and uh, neither of us have got in. We refer to the spot as Area Fifty One, and neither of us has really had a chance to get in there. Just the wind hasn't been hasn't been great, and uh, and so it's been pretty much untouched. And uh, we're running a cell camera in there, and so we've not really seen a lot of deer movement in an area that we thought we would. So we basically just left it alone until this past weekend. We finally started getting some some daylight movement. And it looks like the buck that we found the sheds from is is finally back and, and moving around. We had him, you know, in the summer and then he disappeared and it seems like he's back in the back in the area. And so I was potentially gonna go out and put a hunt on on that piece, but an east wind is just like it couldn't be more wrong for that setup. It's a really, really, really small piece of property to where with an east wind, I'd basically gonna blow every deer uh, on that property out. There's really only one access point in. It's surrounded by uh, by private property, by, of which we don't have permission for for access. So there's really only one way in, one way out, and so you have to have basically a perfect wind uh, to, to to not only to hunt it but to to access it as well, which is pretty much a straight north or a straight south wind for the most part. You can probably get away with a little bit of west as well, um, but if it's too much west, I feel like the it's the the wind's going to be wrong for the deer, and so you're gonna you're you're gonna get squad douche for movement or very very limited movement. So that was out. So I was looking at the swamp and I really haven't had any activity in there. And so I really, you know, there wasn't anything that told me to get in there. And I think you've heard me mention in the past that the swamp is really two pieces. There's a chunk of swamp on the one side of the road. And then there's another chunk of swamp on the other side of the road. And I have access to, to both sides. And I scouted the, what I'll just refer to as the left side of the road. Um, the left side, I guess it's the south actually. The, the southern part of the swamp, I scouted it this past winter because <clears throat> I didn't get a chance to hunt it at all last year. And when I scouted it this past winter, like I didn't see anything that really, um, that really told me that there were deer there or that, that there had been any deer there to really speak of. There were some trails and stuff like that. I'm sure, and I, I'm sure I could probably walk in and see some does and, and so forth, but the habitat that I was seeing and like the sign that I was seeing and stuff like that didn't tell me that it was going to be a place where I was going to find, find bucks necessarily. Um, but Given that I had a, a bad wind for just about everywhere else, I was like, well, maybe this is a good opportunity to kind of go in and see if uh, see if I might be able to put a hunt on in this particular in this particular spot. I uh, had a decent wind for it, and I was basically just going to be freelancing it. So I ended up walking in and putting on a freelance hunt. Uh, hiked in probably three quarters of of a mile ish, and where I stopped my scout last winter. Um, and kind of turned around as I was shed hunting and scouting, it, I made the fatal error of not kind of walking the entire thing through. Because once I hit the point where I had stopped scouting last year and pushed past it, the habitat got awesome. And I ended up setting up in a, I saw a fresh rub, or a bunch of fresh rubs that the, there were still shavings on the ground. I found a fresh scrape that were all within, you know, relatively close proximity to each other. And so I just decided when I found that, I was like, I'm stopping here and I'm going to set up. And it was actually on the edge of this cedar thicket that actually went out into like this, you know, what I'll refer to as like a CRP field. It's not really a CRP field here in PA. It's just really a, a field that's left fallow and is just growing up and is, is, is nasty. And as I was trying to set up, I saw a buck and like three does Im- immediately. And I ended up not seeing that buck come back, um, which was, which was a bummer. I, you know, I thought maybe he would kind of swing back around. And, but what I realized was, is I think that all the properties that I'm hunting are all kind of like relatively close together. And this area seems to be relatively untouched because it's the furthest away. I didn't see any human sign really to speak of. Um, 
and the deer just that I did see, I ended up seeing, I think five more deer, um, after I got set up and up and up in a tree, it's, it's thick to the point that, you know, of course it was in my saddle, which made it easy to kind of do a, a scout still hunt and then, you know, find a place to hang. Um, but I was really only two sticks. And for me with my aider, I was maybe 12 feet off the ground. And that was really all the higher I could get, but just based on how dense the cover was. So I feel like this could be a good area uh, going forward, and I definitely plan to spend more time there. I think I'll probably focus some of my time when I get back from Iowa um, in, in this particular area because I feel like there's a couple nice little, you know, there's not a lot of uh, topography change, but there's a lot of really good habitat change creating edges. Um, and so my plan, I think, going forward when I get back from Iowa is to dive back in there and check out a couple other areas because I really I still only made it through part because once I found hot sign, I set up on it. Um, and I think what my goal will be to push back, you know, there's probably another, mm, probably another quarter mile to ha- or probably another half mile of, of land I can kind of get back into, um, before I start hitting some, uh, some, some private land. And there's a swamp, uh, section that's kind of at the front end of this property and at the very back end of the property. And so I want to get to the back end of that swamp property. Um, cause I feel like it could be really good because it's the furthest from a- any access point. And I feel like it's going to, as, as I look at the, the satellite images online, um, it looks like it gets pretty thick, pretty nasty, and like there'll be, you know, fewer and fewer people making the, the the trek back to that. But that's been what I've been up to lately uh, this past weekend, as far as deer hunting. Of course, I'm primed for my Iowa trip. As you're listening to this, I'll be. Uh, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, I'll still be in PA. But if you're listening to this on Thursday, um, I will be on the road headed to Iowa, and then you will have uh, podcasts coming from from me and John when he's available. Uh, for the next two weeks, just kind of recapping what we're doing each, uh, each day. So with that, I have a cool show for you today. This is really just John and I catching up. We haven't had a chance to talk in a little while. He got back from Canada on a bear hunt. He killed a mammoth bear and he just recently put out a a video that he talks about, uh, that chronicles that trip. And we talk about my trip to Iowa and what he's been seeing in Iowa and just our preparation for the, uh, for the rut. So as always, thank you guys for listening and I hope you enjoy it. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And as many times, I'm joined by my brother from the Midwest, Mr. Johnny, bear-killing, filming, photogging, by God, Utah. <laughs> I added some titles. <laughs> I know, dude. It's like every time we talk, it's like, I think I say this almost every time. It's, I try to give you a new title every time we do a <laughs> podcast together. I feel like you're just a man with many talents and, and many interests and, and many jobs. And so I feel like Jack you, of all trade, master of none. Right. I feel like I'm <laughs> I feel like I'm the same dude. It's like I have I have too many interests, I think, and I haven't ever focused on one entirely to where I got proficient at it to where I could say that I was a quote unquote professional. Dude, it, that stuff that's boring. You know what I mean? Like you gotta have you gotta have a lot of irons in the fire. That's right, man, because if not we were just talking before we got on air. I, like every time I jump on Skype to to ring you up, I'm like, I look at your picture on Skype and I'm like, damn man, that boy looks that that dude looks young, man. That's a handsome looking devil right there. And then <laughs> I see pictures of myself, you know, and maybe it's the irons in the fire that have have aged us. I mean, I think the way we live is like if I don't have like on a scale of one to ten, like a nine and a half of stress, like most of it self induced, then I'm not living. That's kind of how I roll. I'm not living. Yeah. It, oh, she's yeah. No, I, I'm right there with you, man. It's, um, uh, you know, like we, we, we were talking about, uh, one of our buddies, you start seeing them in photos and videos and you're like, good Lord, man, that guy needs some, he needs a nap, you know? Um, <laughs> right. so yeah. 
I'm right there with you. You know, I didn't have a single gray hair two years ago. Right. And then I got like, you know, it was like, oh, crap. I can, I'll probably just tweeze those or I'll just pluck that gray hair out of there. And then it was like I woke up one day and I'm going, okay, there's too many. If I keep plucking, I won't have a beard left. Right. So it just all of a sudden hit me in. And, uh, yeah, dude, I feel like an old man. Just been busy, life, stress, know, a lot of man. unneeded stress. I mean, if we could all just hunt every day, it'd be awesome, right? Well, but- it's it's funny you say that because, again, again, right before we jumped on, we were talking about just, you know, how much we look forward to this time of year. And, like, all year long, all we talk about is, like, man, I can't wait till like, the end of October, beginning of November, like, you know, get fired up for it. You know, the best time of the year is, like, Christmas for all of us. And then yeah. when it, and then when it gets here, you just start grinding, and you're like, "Oh my God, this is gonna kill me," you know. It's <laughs> like you're like you're looking for a reason some days to sleep in, where you're like, um, "Is it raining a little bit outside? What's the wind doing? Is right. that wind direction good for me?" It's like you kind of, you know, but you always kind of press forward and and uh, and trudge through. It's like that's my plan right now. Is like I started hunting like some mornings and stuff on some properties that I thought I had an opportunity on on a couple deer. And I've dialed that back because I'm coming, I'm getting ready to come out to see you. By the time this drops, I'll actually be getting ready to drive out to, to see you. And so I'm kind of trying to bank my energy to get ready for like the all day sits of, you know, two weeks of, of rut hunting in, uh, in Iowa, which I'm immensely looking forward to. Oh yeah. That's right. Dude, man. it's going to be a good time. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, man. I mean, I know we were sharing some, you or you, I wasn't doing any sharing, but you were sharing some, some pics of some, uh, of some deer that I might have an opportunity at. And, uh, I have to say I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty excited, man. Like, uh, it's, uh, if I could jump in my truck right now and drive out, I would no lie. Yeah. Yeah. I would just, <laughs> be, I would, just do it. Do yeah. it. Just quit my job. Be like, I'm out of here, man. I'm going to Iowa. I actually joked with my boss today because they, you know, he's pretty cool with like the whole hunting thing. He's pretty, he's pretty into it. He's actually, this is kind of funny. So he's he follows me on Instagram now and follows my stories. And so when I post something on Instagram in a story, he responds to every post that I make in a story with a piece of uh, bow hunting deer knowledge that he's found by Googling. Like, uh, and it's uh-huh, just like uh-huh. random stuff. It'll be like, you know, when you are using your back tension release, you want to make sure that you, you know, remain or, or, you know, consistently keep your follow through. Like, it'll be like some legit like advice that he's Googled somewhere and found and, and sends it to me. I think it's pretty funny that he spends time doing that, which is kind of funny. It's like he's trying to connect with you. Right. <laughs> he's a good dude, man. It's, it's funny. He just, yeah. He's, you know, he'll be the first to me. He's like, I know nothing about hunting. And now it's kind of like the running joke um, that, uh, and I think he actually made a pseudo Instagram page to like, to kind of mock me. I haven't, I haven't confirmed it yet. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to figure it, I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> but, uh, it's uh, funny. Yeah. But, uh, but he's a good dude, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm pumped dude, but you've been doing a fair amount of hunting here, like prior to the season, dude. Like, so you had. You know, for anyone that that doesn't know, you had well. We talked about your first hunt in Canada, like at the beginning of the month or end of September or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And then you went back to Canada to try to even the score on your bear hunt, and boy, did you! Oh yeah, yeah, dude, it was amazing. Like, yeah. So, kind of a just a real, real quick recap for um, uh, for listeners. 
I went, I went to Ontario. Um, I hunted for seven days and came really, really close to getting a, to getting a real nice bear. Um, I was self filming and it was kind of like, you know, you're trying to film, I'm trying to reach for my bow and I couldn't do both. And it was at last light. So I was making adjustments to the camera and stuff. And then I was having to draw let down and that kind of stuff. And then the last few days, I just kept seeing a bunch of little bears and, you know, once you see a big bear, you don't want to shoot a little bear. Right. Um, so I left and, and I was, I left Ontario and I was driving through Minnesota and this operation, they called and they just said, Hey, like, dude, we loved having you in camp. Why don't you come back? You know, your tag's good for a couple months. And I said, well, you know, I got to get home. I got to, I got to be in Alberta tomorrow. Um, and then after that trip, I'm home for a couple of days and then I got to be in Kentucky. Uh, I was doing some photos for the first trip was photos for Ozonics. The second trip was photos for Whitetail Heaven Outfitters. And then um, I was like, and then I'm back home. And so they said, well, why don't you come then? And I looked at my calendar and I literally had like a four day block that I could make it happen. So I got a hold of a mutual friend of ours, Taylor Early. Yeah. And I said, Hey, I need a camera guy. And, um, he's like, well, I'll go with you. I'm like, are you being serious? I'm like, dude, you're going to have to get to my house at like 9 PM and we're, and we're driving through the night. And, uh, whenever we get there is when we're going to, you know, go hang a set and start hunting. So he's like, yeah, I'm down. This sounds like an epic adventure, you know? Right. So that's what we did. We, uh, we left Iowa at 9 PM, um, drove through the night. And we hit some fog and we had this idea that we were going to pull into a gas station and we were going to sleep for a couple hours. Right. I couldn't sleep. You know, I tried for like 15, 20 minutes, like, you know, and I'm like, ah, screw it. We'll just drive slow. So we were driving slow. And then finally we ended up getting past this, uh, big lake. I guess it's like Lake Superior. <laughs> right. <laughs> pretty big one. Right. Yes. Yeah, um, pretty, pretty once we size. got kind of back to the road and we weren't right next to the lake, then, uh, the fog cleared up a little bit and we cruised on and we made it to Ontario. It was like 2 PM. Uh, I thought it was 1 PM and I told, uh, Taylor, I said, dude, I'm going to sleep for like two hours. I'm just, I'm exhausted. Well, they're on Eastern time zone. So it was actually 2 p.m. Um, so I ended up laying down for like 49 minutes. <laughs> and imagine trying to take a nap before Christmas morning. Yeah, exactly. So I laid there for 49 minutes. I might have dozed off for five or 10, but alarm went off. I jumped up, took a shower, kind of woke up, pounded another Monster Energy drink. That was like Monster number 22 for the trip so far. <laughs> right. And, um, yeah, we, we, we went into, uh, a section of timber that, you know, we call public land, they call crown land. Okay. Um, but the outfitters have, it's not that they have, have the tags. I mean, you buy your tag from Canada, um, but like to get permission mm-hmm. on that crown land, each zone is like assigned to an outfitter. So okay. it's kind of like, you got to pay the, pay the piper, you know? Right. Um, and this outfitter, like they're very, very knowledgeable about the bears, the timing of the bears and areas and stuff. But this is not an outfitter that hand feeds you and then hand holds you to your stand. They just say, okay, you know where the stand's at? Cool. 
don't get eaten by a bear. Call me if you shoot one, we'll help you get it out. Right. Um, which I like, you know? Yeah. And so anyways, um, we went in and we hung a set and we just went ahead and climbed, you know, as we hung the set, we just went ahead and sat it, you know, right away. Mm-hmm. And about two, maybe two hours after we got done hanging the set, um, I was like, bear, bear, bear. And at the corner of my eye, I noticed the video camera's not moving. And so the way this tree was positioned and because of, we didn't want to have to cut a whole bunch of shooting lanes. So the way it worked out, Taylor was filming below me. Mm, okay. So I'm trying to reach down below me without moving a lot. Cause I can see this bear like 30 yards away in the, in the, in the bush. And I'm like, the only thing I can touch is, um, you know, like on a ball cap, the little button on the top of a ball cap. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like pushing it. Like it's a button and I'm <laughs> trying like, to turn them on. I'm like, Taylor, Taylor. <laughs> I was like, wake up, hit record, record button. Yeah. Hit it, hit it now. You know? Uh, <laughs> so finally I see him kind of like twitch, you know, and he reaches up and hit punches the record button. And, but now he's looking for the bear, you know, he has no idea where the bear is. Right. So finally he picks up the bear and as the bear's getting ready to come into the shooting lane and, um, he's, is a giant bear. I mean, you know what they say? Like whenever you see a big buck, stop looking at the antlers and just look at the body, you know, yep. forget about the antlers. And, um, my, my buddy, Sam Gaylord that owns old barn taxidermy, he always says, you know, shoot for the hide. Don't shoot for the animal, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like just studying the legs, the head, the neck, the shoulders, the back, the belly. I'm, you know, anything I can see, I'm studying it. And I'm like, yo man, he's got a beautiful hide. And, um, this, the way this bear, he was kind of quartered to me and it was just too, too quartered that I felt comfortable. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm like, God, I need, I need him to turn broadside. How's he going to, you know, I, I, he's got to turn broadside for me. I'm at full draw. And even if it's like when he goes to take his first step to walk away, I'm going to let it fly. And, uh, you know, if you're standing there and you kind of rock on your hips, yeah. it like changes like the disposition, you know, like of your body. Yep. So all this bear did was just kind of like rock on his, his right leg hip and it pushed his body out. Um, so his legs never did change position, but what it did is it kind of forced him to open up a little bit for me. And I'm like, you know what, if I'm an inch to the right, I'm catching shoulder. If I'm an inch to the left, I'm hitting guts. I'm like, ah, man, this is a shot of shots, John. You know what I mean? Moment of truth. You know, you got to take it. So I took it, um, 30 yards. We hear the death moan from the tree stand, man. And you know, not all bears will do the death moan, but obviously if you hear a death moan, then you know, 100% beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know, that bear's dead. Right. Um, so I call the outfitter and I'm like, Bob, I was like, bring the Argo. And he's <laughs> like, why? I'm like, cause I just shot a big bear. And he's like, well, have you gotten down to go check it out yet? I'm like, no. He's like, well, quit being a little scaredy cat and get down there. I'm like, I, it's, I know he's dead. I just was First things first, I wanted to call you, get you guys in route, you know, but, right. um, so we, we got down and, and, uh, we did a, we did a short track, you know, we knew about where he was anyways, but right. And got a full pass through. I was really happy with, um, um, it was the first big game animal that I had shot with, uh, with G five's new striker and nice. was real happy with it. And, 
And like I said, got a full pass through. And like I said, 30, 30 yards later, 35 yards later, we had a bear piled up. And then that's when, like, that's when things really became like a reality. Like, I mean, I was pumped up in the tree that I had just killed a bear, you know, and it was right, a good in, in general. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, first time I've ever been out of country with a passport to go hunting. Right. right. And so that was a cool thing, but then getting on the ground and see, then the size, the true size of this bear, um, you know, there was no ground shrinkage on this guy. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, you know, this is a big bear. And I went to like lift his head and, you know, sometimes you'll grab like a white tail by the ear and mm-hmm. kind of rotate their head over. I went to do that and his head didn't budge. <laughs> I had to physically like put both hands underneath his head to turn his head to see the bear. And I'm like, you can't get his head inside a five gallon bucket. I'm Jeez. like, this is, this is crazy. It took five of us to load. Well, to slide him into the back of the Argo and half of this bear is still hanging out of the back of the Argo. And we get him back and we put him on the scale. And, um, I can say that the bear was 515 pounds cause that's what it said on the scale. Right. But the scale also said I was 189. So right. that's about 20 yard or 20, 20, uh, 20 pounds shy for me. So right. I don't know if it was a progressive, the scale was off progressively or just, you know, it was negative 20 to start, but, right. um, nonetheless, you know, he's a five thirty five to five fifty bear. Right. That's what I was going to say. He's a 530 pound to 550 pound bear. Yep. Okay. Just a giant. Well, and like, giant when you see the pictures of him too, man, I mean, like if you, if you said he was 550 pounds, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't go <laughs> like, you wouldn't question it. No. <laughs> No, you know and that's I mean? the other thing. And, you know, one of my buddies was like, dude, you didn't even do like the typical sitting behind the bear photo, you know? Right. Um, I'm like, no, I, I actually have blood on my left thigh of my pants still from whenever I got down next to him um, to take the kind of, you know, the grip and grin. But, right. um, so yeah, it, it, was, it was friggin' surreal, dude. Like it was just crazy. And then now we're, um, we're waiting on the, the final beetle process. The, the beetles are done. Um, he's been degreased and we're waiting on the whitening and stuff so we can get him officially scored. Um, you know, in all honesty, like I could completely care less about what his skull ends up being. But when we were in Canada, they were taking a lot of green measurement scores, you know, of his, of his skull and, mm-hmm. And everybody's eyes were getting big and I see everybody pulling their phones out and everybody's Googling like North American Boone Crockett black bears, you know, records. Right. Um, we, we know that he's going to probably go in like the top three, top five in Canada, wow. uh, on Ontario all time with a bow. Right. And more than likely like top 10 in Canada with a bow. Wow. That's crazy, uh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty nuts. And I'm like, well, that's just, that's just the cherry on top, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so, uh, super crazy. We, you know, we, we cape him out, we get up, get my bear meat, we get everything in the freezer and, you know, we can't just turn around and leave a couple hours later because we need that hide to set and freeze and everything else, you know, for the trip right. back. So we ended up staying, the whole next day, you know, that, that remainder of that day. 
and just kind of goofed off around town, went and did a little sightseeing and whatnot. Right. And then of course we had to go back and tear down the tree stand set, you know, and everything. But, uh, then we got up early in the morning and drove straight through. So driveway to driveway, it was exactly 72 hours. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) <laughs> which is just nuts, you know. That's getting it done there, dude. So whenever you hit the ground, man, and you were getting ready to walk up on him, or when you, you know, got to uh-huh. a point to where you could see him, did you just, like, completely come unglued? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I had my first initial, like, adrenaline dump in the tree, and I was, like, physically shaking, you know. Right, um, right. Then when I got on the ground, I, you know, you any whitetail hunter can relate to this. I got on the ground, and I'm like, okay, I heard the death moan. I know it was a good shot. I got a completely blood soaked pass through, but I'm not going to get excited until I put hands on him. Right. Um, so and you've had a couple, like, like the past like year or two with just like white tails, you've had a couple like moments that would make you a little gun shy too. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah. It's, it's reasonable yeah. to kind of have that trepidation of like, you know what? Not counting my chickens till they're hatched. I've, yeah. played th- I've played this game before. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I had a white tail that I hit a little high. He, he really, really jumped the string and, uh, I ended up hitting him just a tick high, um, and did not recover that, uh, recover that buck. And then, uh, November 8th here in Iowa, I had a shot on a, on a buck that I would take, if somebody said you can only have one shot the rest of your life and that's the shot, you know, I would be okay with that. Right. Um, I, you know, I put a money, what I, it was a money shot should have been a money shot on a, on a whitetail and I didn't recover that buck and it was just, you know, devastated. I mean, if you punch one back or you shoot one low or high or whatever, like you can at least say, okay, my shot placement was off. But like when your shot placement's on and you don't have a recovery, um, yeah. man, I mean that, yeah, that, that kind of haunts you, you know, every time you come to full draw, you're like, I did everything right before and it didn't work. Like what's going to happen this time. And, yeah. um, you know, so yeah, it was, um, uh, once I walked up on him and located him, I went from like, if, if zero is devastated and 70 is like top of the world, adrenaline shaking, you know, like stoked. And then a hundred is the other side of that bell curve. Right. You're like too happy to be happy. Right. And I was, it was like almost emotional. Right. You know, I was like, Oh my God, like I'm a, I'm a wreck right now. And I told Taylor, I said, I kind of gave him the, like, don't record this because you know, I was, I was about to lose it. This has been a rough year, man. You know, you know, the stuff that I had go on this year and, um, it was kind of like, wow, something really, really awesome just happened. So yeah. super cool. The, the bears at, at old barn waiting on, um, uh, waiting to start the taxidermy side on that. We're going to do a life-size mount on him and, um, yeah, that's cool, it's, man. it's it's nuts. It's nuts, dude. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I remember whenever I, I talked to you like shortly after that, you know, I don't remember if it was like the next, like when you got back from Canada or, or uh-huh. when it was, but it was, you know, pretty soon after that. And like, I couldn't be happier for you. And it's like, it, it, I don't know that I know a better, a more deserving person, especially just as you'd mentioned, like all the, you know, BS that you've had to go through and put up with this past year, not just, you know, just hunting and personal stuff. It's just like, it's been, you know, it's not been a, a, a fun time, you know? And so I'm just glad that you were able to, 
have that moment, man. It's like I was super, I was super stoked for it. The only bummer was I wish I would have been able to be there with you to, to throw throw a couple back and help throw that thing on the uh, on the Argo. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we we could have used uh, we could have used the extra hand. I can tell you that. Yeah, it took like I said, it took five of us a good ten minutes, um, and you know we were breaking out like okay, so the triangulation of the weight if we if one person lifts here and we have another person pushing here, I mean it was methodical. Right. Uh, five guys was really pushing it to to get this thing in there, and I mean. I don't think that I'm a weak guy by any means. And right. it's all I wanted. Like right. I told the guys, I said, guys, I can't give you anything more. I'm giving you all I got. Right. So we might just have to cube this thing up and pack him out of here because I don't know that we're going to get him out of here whole. Right. It's like they needed to bust a bust out on some of that Canadian strength, dude. Oh yeah. No, it, they were bush. They were bushwhacking. That's for sure. But right. Nice. It was, uh, it was crazy. And then, yeah, we got back and, um, you know, settled for a couple of days and then I was kind of back on the road again, uh, back doing a few more photo shoots. I I'm really just now kind of settling into whitetails. Uh, you know, I've had a chance to get in the stand just a couple of days now. Right. Yeah, I know, man. It's like the whole beginning part of the season. I mean, you've been, you've been basically traveling, you know, uh-huh. and, uh, it, it, well, I think there might be some benefit or unintended benefit to that. You know, I think one, you know, you do a good job of this anyway, but you know, this forced you to do a good job of it, but you keep a lot of your places clean. Right. And not going yeah. in like, cause I know that there was a cold front that came through. Right. And like when you get those small weather changes, like in, you know, early October or whatever, you always want to get out and hunt, but are they the best weather changes, you know, to yeah. go, to go hunt? Like, you know, mm-hmm. probably not like, you know, I don't know. I kind of, I think I'm of the belief that, you know, I'd be curious your thoughts of this, but you know, all cold fronts aren't created equal. You know what I mean? It's like, in my opinion, it's like you get a nice cold front at the beginning of October. It's like, yeah, sure. Those are nice and all, but like you, you might be dipping from like, you know, the normal temp of like 67 to like, you know, what, like 60 or 58 or something like that. You know what I mean? Which is, which is nice, but it's not incredible. But like you get that same 10 degree temp drop at the end of October or like, this week or next. Right. And now you're going from like 58 to like 49. Like now you're talking. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I had, it was funny cause I had uh, a shoot that I booked, um, Oh, a month or so a month or two ago. And it was like October 3rd and 4th. And I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, no problem. You know what I mean? Like right. early October, it's warm as heck. Like, yeah, that's fine. And we had that October 3rd and 4th was the first big cold front of the season. And I yeah. thought, dang it. And a lot of good bucks went down, you know? Right. And then um, I had the, a Kentucky trip for Whitetail Heaven again, October 10th through the 14th. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's middle of October. Like, I don't mind missing four days to go to go work, you know? And Right. 
And the whole time I was there, another cold front happened in Iowa and more big bucks went down. I'm like, dang it. You know, right. literally the the six days of the season so far that we've had cold fronts, I've been out of town. But yeah, you're right. It did. It has forced me to kind of stay off of my properties. I, um, I would like to be a little more on the up and up with my trail cams and know what inventory and, and what's, you know, hopefully there's some bucks that shed velvet that have moved into some of my, my spots. But right. Um, I, I mean, I really haven't had a chance to check it other than, um, the public piece I checked, you know, like three days ago. Yep. So I'm, I'm three days fresh on Intel there on public, but my lease, um, and there's another property that I've got access to. I don't know how much I'll hunt it this year, but I, I, I guess I, I guess I have access to it. It's not one of those locked in deals, but right. uh, I have no, I have no Intel about what's going on there. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty uh I'm pretty stoked with what you saw so far on 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 public. How do you feel like what's your what's your perspective on what you what you're seeing on on public? I mean, you're an Iowa Can, resident, right? So it's yeah. a little diff it's a little different for me, right? Cuz I'm yeah. coming out with like a different set of expectations. I have granted I have plenty of time. Like I have 2 weeks out there with you. You know what I mean? So it's not like oh. I'm coming out for 5 days, so I can be choosy if I would like but it's not sure. like I live there and I'm going to be there and I could hunt late season if I needed to, to try to go after something. So what's your, what's your kind of analysis on it? Um, so I'm not overly thrilled with what I'm seeing public yet. Right. Um, which is good because I am seeing a lot of different deer in, in some different spots, mm-hmm. uh, and using some different trails that normally they weren't using. Um, but I'm not seeing some of the bigger boys yet, right. which is a good thing. You know, like, uh, this is the way it should be. I should see the three and four year olds, then the fours and the fives. And you know what I mean? We'll right. start coming in. So, I mean, I, I'm, if I was my analysis for hunting it, if I was already hunting it, I'd be a little disappointed, but looking at what's coming up when you're going to be here, mm-hmm. um, dude, it's I'm excited for you because, <laughs> you know, I'm like, it's, it's going to be good. Like you're, you're going to see good stuff and the corn's getting ready to come out. And, uh, that always changes stuff, man. I mean, it's just like yep. one of those things where I have two pieces right now that I've been hunting this year that, I, well, one piece I hunted also last year and this year there's corn in, next to it where last year there was just like a fallow hay field. And this year I've got to this point, I have like zero bucks on camera in that spot. Like, yep, like yep. nothing, you know what I mean? Like a couple right. scrubby, like young deer, you know, like year and a half old deer or whatever, but nothing that I would pull my bow back on. And where last year it's like, I was chalked full of you know, like shooters for Pennsylvania status. And like one was like a shooter, whether you were, you know, in Iowa, depending on who you are in, in Iowa, you know what I mean? Like he was, you know, pushing 150 inches. Like he was a big deer, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like no mm-hmm. matter where you're hunting him, um, but this year I got, I got jack shit in that, on that piece. So yeah, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to come out, man. It's like, I know there was one deer that we had a, you had a picture of in velvet that was, that was looking pretty, pretty good. That that was probably the biggest deer. I think that we, that was that you had on that camera, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that buck has been seen twice on the hoof. Yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a good dude. He's like a clean mainframe ten, if I remember correctly. Uh huh. Yep. Pushing probably one fifty. 
Yeah, I'd say he's 145, 150 as yeah. a four-year-old. Yeah. Dude, yep. him, him with another year would be a smoker. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that actually, so that buck, I have video footage of last year. I passed him last year. Uh, Chancey Walters was running a camera for me. Nice. And, um, yeah, I had him at 15 yards. And, and I thought to myself then, I was like, he's got a cool frame, you know, he's going to be a good, you know, he's going to be a good buck. What was he last year? Um, probably 120, 125. Yeah. yeah. He put some inches on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, he put on, he, he, he easily put on 20 inches, but, wow. um, yeah, I definitely know it was the same buck wow. and he was a, he was an eight last year. All right. Well, so, so he put on, he put on inches and points. That's pretty impressive. Yep, yep. So for all the people that say, "Oh, once an eight, always an eight. and eh. oh, contraire, mon frere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's awesome, dude. Well, I'm pretty stoked to come out, man. It's uh, like I keep looking at. I was at a wedding this past weekend while everyone was dancing. I was on, I was on maps on my phone, like looking at Topo and in Iowa. Like everyone's, you know carrying the bride around and doing their dances and having drinks. And I'm in the corner by myself, just reading topo, like <laughs> getting ready for my trip. But, uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's... like the, the quintessential, like white tail, white tail freak right there, you know? Oh, so, for sure. But, uh, that's, that's funny. Yeah. Otherwise, man, like I'm pretty ready to go, dude. It's like, I'm making a few last small tweaks to some gear and that I wanted to make before I made my way out. And I just was actually wrapping some of that up before you and I, jumped on here i've been shooting my bow every day so i'm all dialed in there staying dialed in and ready to ready to roll what's uh what's your game plan man i mean you thinking are you uh well so so you have your lease there's the public and then the farm i know we, we were talking about one farm is that the one you were referring to or are we not talking about that one um no so uh yeah so i've got the public section um, there's a set out there right now. It's not a double set. There's a single set out there mm -hmm. and I have, uh, my lease. There's actually three sets on it. Plus, uh, the big grizzly box blind and there's a hay bale blind as well, technically. And then I have, um, I have permission. Uh, I, like I said, this is the one that I, I think I have permission on. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think I have permission to hunt one. Um, I've got a bunch of cameras on it right now, right. but I have zero Intel. Uh, the landowner actually checked the trail cameras himself, uh, on his cell phone on a, on an Android phone. And when he did it formatted the cards to Android and, um, when he put the cards back in, he didn't format them on the camera. So it didn't record a single photo. Oh man, that stinks. Yeah. So they've been soaking now for about four days. Mm -hmm. Um, so tomorrow I was actually thinking about going out there, um, you know, around lunchtime running right. out there real fast and, and doing a card pull out there just to see what's going on. But I did just recently four days ago, pick up permission to hunt a new piece Mm -hmm. um, about 10 miles east of me and it's in a really, really good area. Um, I know it's a good area because a lot of the big County poachers used to mm -hmm. love to, okay. you know, 
hammer that area. Right. So I know there's big bucks over there. And, um, I just got permission to, uh, to hunt it. And there's been a really, really, really big buck that's been spotted over there. Um, so I'm pretty, pretty jacked up about that. Uh, yeah. I did a, I did a card pull, uh, over there. And the very first day I put a, I put a camera out there at 4 PM and I did a card pull the next morning. I'm like, I'm just dying to see if anything came to this mock scrape that I started last night. Right. Um, and there's a, if he's, if he's not four, he's five, mm-hmm. um, probably hundred mid, mid 50 class, um, 10 out there. Yep. So, uh, yeah, but supposedly he's the little buck. That was the small deer. Yeah. When you yep. sent me that and you were like, this is the small deer. I'm like, get the hell out of here, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> supposed to be the little buck. And so the landowner's like, you know, man, I really hope you see that big one that I've seen, you know, uh, earlier in the season. And, and I said, I don't know if I'll ever see that big buck. Cause if that one comes out, he might get shot himself. I mean, right. that's a solid mature oh, buck He's with a, a sway deer. back and everything. I'm like, it's a great deer. Yeah. I'm like, ah, I, you know, and I've said it before. I don't know if I'll ever shoot a 180 if a one solid 150 walks out in front of me first. hundred percent all day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, like any one of those deer that, that you've, uh, that you've seen on public that's, you know, in the, you know, from the 135 and up range, it comes by me. It's, it's going to get an arrow flung at it. You know, yeah. that's like just the, that's the, I mean, I would like to sit here and say like, I'm going to shoot, I'd like to shoot 140. I mean, ideally I would like to shoot 140 inch deer. That's kind of like my, you know, if I had like a, what I want in my mind, that's probably what it would be. But you know, at the end of the day, it's like, I just want to shoot something that I wouldn't readily be able to shoot in, in most of the areas that I'm hunting in Pennsylvania. That's kind of the, that's, oh. that's the plan, you know? Right. Yeah. So that, uh, that mainframe 10 stick steps out. Like he's, he's eating carbon all day. Like there won't be, there'll be no, no passing him. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I can, I can, uh, I can promise you, uh, I can promise you that. But uh, I'm basically at this point, man, it's like, you know, I'm getting ready to wash all my gear, you know, to pack everything up. I'm, I've got my menu planned that I eat like a hobo. You know, it's like I basically make nothing but crock pot food. That way uh-huh. I can just throw crap in the crock pot when I get back from hunting and, and heat it up. I got a sweet little wooden cabin I'm staying in for like the first week and then crashing on your couch for a couple of days. And I got another sweet little cabin for a couple of days and I'm staying in mm-hmm. and, uh, you're more than welcome to come over and break bread with me in my yep. stinky little wooden cabin. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, and and I just thought of something. So my oldest, um, she's actually she she'll be in at at school. Yeah. Um. So you don't have to. You don't even have to crash on the couch. You'll actually have a bedroom. Holy smokes, dude! I won't know how to act. Yeah. yeah. I, but the the couch I slept on the last time I was at was pretty nice, man. I ain't gonna lie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty decent. Yeah, it's a, it's a solid couch. Hell yeah, man. Well, I think that that's a pretty good update, man. Is there anything else we didn't we didn't cover? We talked the bear hunt. We talked a little bit of the public land that we'll be hunting out in Iowa, and uh, and did a little did a little catching up, man. I can't think of anything else at this point. When uh, when do you think this uh, podcast will post? This will post on the. I can tell you, I, just, I got my phone here in front of me. Let me look at the calendar. 
tell you the exact date that it's going to go out. It will go out on today is October 22nd. As we record this, it will go out on the 30th. It'll go out the day before I leave to come see you. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yes, sir. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be a nice little prelude to, uh, to our, you know, our, our hunt together. And then I guess this would be a good time to just kind of make mention that, you know, whenever I do these trips, as I did last year, I started doing it last year. I started doing the rut log where I try to put out a podcast a day. It usually ends up falling out to, or falling off to like one every other day. And so I'm going to try to do that again this year since I'll be with John. John will be on most, if not all of them, depending on our hunt schedules and what time we're getting back and, and all that kind of stuff. But you can expect to get a bunch of Iowa rut hunting content coming your way over the course of the first two weeks of, of November. And then you got you have some video stuff coming out too. Why don't you make mention of that so folks know where to find that stuff? Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, tomorrow, um, so that'll be the twenty third. I'm actually dropping the the Big Bear episode, and uh, that'll be on Arrowwild TV's YouTube, Carbon TV, and Facebook. I'm gonna I'm putting it out every everywhere, um, and then also. For our fellow Sitka Gear fanatics, I uh, am getting ready to post actually a fanatic Sitka fanatic backpack review, and there's an element to that, uh, a giveaway element to that. So I'm actually giving away a brand new Sitka Gear fanatic pack. Nice, yeah, and, and I would uh, advise everyone to get on that that giveaway because I've been I've been using one and it is uh, it is pretty baller. I'm not gonna lie, super quiet. Yep. Yep. Awesome, man. Well, I think we can go ahead and shut this uh, shut this shit show down, and uh, we'll resume said shit show in person in like uh, in like a week and a half. Sweet. I like it, man. All right, brother. All right, folks. That is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave a five star rating for the show. Be super be super appreciative of that. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast while you're there as well. And uh, before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, Gumleaf USA Boots, Obsession Bows, Ramcat Broadheads, Trophy Taker Rests, and Dead Down Wind. And until next time, we'll see y'all.
All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace microdosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.